podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello there, I'm Tony Gow and you are listening to We Are West Ham Podcast. Listening to the We Are West Ham podcast with me, Will Pugh, Tom Edwards, and James Jones. And this week, I am beaming in from Portugal. I saw Tom do it from Ibiza a couple of weeks ago. And despite the fact that I've been riding the waves all day today, I could not miss putting my voice out on the radio waves tonight. I'm not sure whether or not, uh, judging by Jonesy's face, it doesn't look too impressed with my opening joke of the evening. But Jonesy, West Ham are through to the next round of the League Cup. Uh, Even though I'm out of the country, what is there to be depressed about at West Ham? And we won't mention the Arsenal game just yet. Uh, Where do I start? Um, I'll tell you what, tell you what, how are you, James? How are you? I'm fine, thanks, mate. Yeah, uh, slightly jealous of your your little uh, soiree over to Portugal for a bit of of, um, surfing. Um, And particularly Tom's recent trip to Ibiza. I've got nothing like that lined up. We're going to Brighton at the weekend, if that counts. But um, <laughs> yeah, other than yeah. that, um, I'm, I'm absolutely fine. Um, and to, yeah. to, answer, to answer your question, not a great deal to, to be positive about. Didn't get any points at the weekend. Uh, we're through in the cup, but probably get knocked out in the next one, won't we? So um, yeah, same old West Ham. Positivity and lightness from Jonesy. Is the fact that you had to cancel your own holiday this week uh the fact that i'm still away is that annoying you more or less or is that the two things you're able to keep them separate in your mind well i mean i was only going to norfolk for the week so it still wouldn't have had anything on ib for or portugal um uh, <laughs> but that had to be cancelled because of that new, new rule of six so um yeah bright bright at the weekend that's all i've got that's all i've got that's all you've got. Well, I, I think those people who live down in Brighton, James, would tell you that that's, uh, there's more than enough to do there to keep you busy, although I wouldn't advise surfing because you'll have to avoid the several nappies and uh, other unsavoury items. That I'm used to nappies these floating days, in, Floating in the water <laughs> at Brighton. That is true. That is true. Thomas, how are you? Not such a... Ex- ex- yeah, all good, mate. Uh, sorry, not such extravagant surroundings for you this week but uh, looking dapper nonetheless how are you keeping are you thrilled about the West the fact West Ham have beaten Hull City to get through to the next round of the League Cup tonight yes mate uh, we've just uh, we've just put a poor Hull team to bed I'm very happy that scored a few goals today a few of the creative players who needed a bit of confidence going into this season they've managed to notch a few get a few assists on the board so Happy days in that front, but it was a bit of a painful one in the weekend, wasn't it? Because obviously Arsenal are a good side. We went out there expecting to lose, but we turned up. We were the better side for the vast majority of the game. We had more than enough chances to win it. Um, and I think we just dominated them physically and the game was there for the taking for us. And we, we sadly, for me, could have done a lot more to go and actually win that game and be a positive side. And we, we didn't do enough to win it in the key periods when we were completely in control. But nonetheless, compared to last week, there's a lot of confidence. There's no way you can tell me that side's not good enough to stay up because we definitely showed enough. It's just about getting that first win on the board and getting some sort of positivity going because we all know Premier League's a long season, but if you're out of it for four or five games and you've got no points, it's going to be a long season and a long grind to stay up. So fingers crossed the next few weekends, get some points on the board and I'll be a happy man, mate. 
Excellent stuff, Tom. Excellent stuff. We're all pleased to hear you're doing well. As it is the big news, of course, uh, before the game, David Moyes, Josh Cullen and Issa Diop pulled out the squad because they all tested positive for COVID-19. So, obviously, goes without saying, but me and the boys here at We Are West Ham wish David, Josh and Issa well in their recovery. I understand they're all asymptomatic. They went straight home um, before the game, but certainly best wishes to them. Uh, busy show coming up tonight as ever. We've uh, 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 Obviously, we'll go into that Arsenal defeat. I think there's uh, that's going to be an interesting one to hear our thoughts between me and the boys and differences of opinion on the We Are West Ham group chat shortly after the game. So I think uh, those will be aired tonight. The headlines, obviously the big the big news, as I've just mentioned there, through West Ham Trio, catching coronavirus through to the next round of the League Cup. The takeover reports seem to have gone cold. Uh, you know, uh, no defensive reinforcements still, though we will do a transfer section, uh, transfer section even. Uh, and we've got the Betway charity bets as usual. No winners, unfortunately. For any of the boys last week, two of us were a lot closer than the other. Uh, Wolves, Dan Bayliss from the Wolves 77 podcast here to do the opposition view. Name that game and, of course, the West Ham women segment at the end. But a bit of housekeeping first, as we do every week. The FPL code is still going strong. C-N-Y-6-O-U, all lowercase uh, is the code if you want to join that subscribe to the YouTube channel of course you can watch me and the lads tonight the description the YouTube link will be in the description to this podcast if you're listening and wondering what we're all looking like my I've actually got a Larry shirt on finally I've bottled it for the first few weeks of the YouTube but I've uh, caved in to uh, what I know best and I'm on holiday as well so the Larry shirt has come out so lads straight into it then uh, Arsenal, I'm not sure which one of you to throw to first. I think I had a bit of a different opinion on it. We'll go into what I thought. But Jones, as it's sort of tradition, I will throw to you first. General thoughts on the Arsenal defeat. 2-1 to Arsenal at the Emirates Stadium at the weekend. Pleasantly surprised with the performance. Um, was not expecting us to, to come out of the performance like that. I think we were... I think David Moyes said said it absolutely right in the end. It's like we we deserve to take something from that game, um, and a point would have been would have been a fair result. Uh, you know, we had our chances, beat the woodwork again. Um, but at the end of the day, and I've seen a lot of fans say this on social media ever since. You know, it's all very well going. Oh, it was a positive performance. You know, we've got a lot of positives to take. Um, the fact is, we still didn't get any points from it, and um, and that is because of a number of different different things. You know, switching off right at the end. Allowing a team with so much quality like Arsenal to to cut open your your defence with a ball like that, when you know you, you, we, we were still potentially, you know, we had a bit of possession in and around that that time of the game where we could have gone on and got a winner ourselves. Um, we were less likely compared to Arsenal, but um, it was just frustrating to see a lapse in concentration at the end there to to allow Arsenal win and, and to get the winner, and we go we go into this weekend's game against Wolves with no points on the board still. And yeah, we've got positives to take, but we now need to build on that. And so many times we've been in this situation where we've gone, not one, but gone, yeah, that, that was a good performance. And then we've not built on it. So it'd be interesting to see how they react this weekend against Wolves because they showed, and I think Tom said it a minute ago, they showed 
against Arsenal that teams there's enough quality in that squad um, to ensure that we don't go down and to at least ensure that we, fin- we, we finish where we think we should be finishing in and around mid-table. Um, but there has to be consistency moving forward. Okay, well, that's not as that's not quite as angry and irate as I was expecting from you, mate. To be honest, in fact, <laughs> that was fairly measured analysis, which is a little bit annoying. Oh, oh thanks. But um, <laughs> well, I thought you were going to be. Um, you know, we had a, a couple of uh, chats about it after the game. Uh, Tom, are you? Mm. What's What's your thoughts? Um, I'll tell you what. Actually, now I'll, I'll I'll go with mine first. No, this there's there's two elements to it. One. Uh, and I tweeted this out and it was a bit annoying because I sort of had a, had a tweet ready to go where it looked like we were going to get a point out of the game. Uh, it was a few weeks ago now, one of our earlier episodes, we were ch- before the season, and we were talking about how we'd like the team to line up and the how we solved the Masuaku Cresswell conundrum. And I said, I would not be disappointed if we went five at the back with Cresswell as a wing back, Fredericks the other side. It takes the defensive responsibility over those off of those two wing backs, which they're not very good at, and allows them to go forward, and it allows Aaron Cresswell to only have to cover a smaller area. He doesn't have to worry about trying to get forward and then get back and defend. And it worked for Moyes before. We put it out as a promo clip at the time, and it got got a little bit of love. And I tweeted out again after the game, and I said, I know West Ham fans will be disappointed with the result. I thought the second half was outstanding, and it shows five at the back is the answer. What performance! from King Arthur, new centre-back, still as urgent as ever. Do you, do you take any positives from it, Tom? Because there was quite a, the West Ham Twitter sphere was quite an angry space after the game. Uh, how do you feel about it? Oh, there's, if you understand football, you can understand that there's a lot of positive from that compared to our defensive frailties to get at home against Newcastle, compared to how solid, compact we looked and really dangerous on the break. And we got in so many good positions. A lot of the forward players were taking up really clever smart positions on the shoulder and picking up pockets of space, which is almost undefendable. And, and that's something we haven't seen our, our front three doing in a long time. And Bowen's dy- dynamism creates a lot of problems for a lot of, uh, a lot of defenders. And I think that there's so much to take from it. But the, the question mark I've always said on these podcasts since I've been involved, whatever, is that we, we always we lack a pure out-and-out goal scorer or finisher or someone who's, who's got the presence of mind to take a... Take that extra touch in the box. Don't get me wrong, Bowen is a brilliant addition, brilliant player. Anto- but... Antonio scored and hit the bar, though. No, yeah, he, I, I think Antonio's one. I think he's the top scorer since the restart, and he's the one doing the business. But Bowen, he probably got in more positions this weekend than any other player I saw all Premier League weekend watching all the games in terms of position to score, position to set up. Bowen was in 10, 15 positions where you're banking on him creating one out of three every time to score a goal and each time he made the wrong decision or rushed a chance and I think for me I, I love what he gives to side I, lo- I think he works so hard I think he's a really technical player picks a pass and he's got a really cultural left foot but I'm now over the over the point of giving a bit of time and saying he's a champion show just come up and he's a youngster if you're getting in that many positions week in week out as a football club we brought you in to score goals create goals and he is making a wrong decision or, or rushing it too many times He's getting there because he's a good player and he's got the ability, clearly, because he scored goals for Hull. But I just want, absolutely want him in the team. He has to start. But I just want him to start being ruthless and, and realising he's good enough for this level and start being confident and stepping up and taking his chances. To be the one that, if he, two or three of the chances he had or, or the positions he got in, if he, he made the right decision, we win that game comfortably. 
And that just, was that's the only takeaway I had. The main one was just a bit of frustration at his his role in that defeat. Do you think he's trying too hard, Tom? Do you think you know, he, so. he's as you said, he's he's clearly good. Yeah. He's good enough because he's getting into those positions. But do you mm. think he's trying too hard on perhaps overthinking yeah. what he's doing when he's getting those positions? Because it's in the back of his mind going, look, you know, he spent a lot of money, money on me. I've got to deliver. Yeah, he scored on his home debut against Southampton last season. But he's not really done much since. You know, he got some assists after the, mm. after the restart. But I, th- I, I do agree with you. But do you think that's something in the back of his mind, just niggling that and going, right, I'm in this position. And he kind of panics or he kind of overthinks yeah. it. Absolutely. I think I think that was it. I think if you guys remember, one came across from the left-hand side of the box and it was the goalie was sort of on the floor and it was bouncing to him. And he just snatched a chance on the half volley. And if he just took a touch, set himself, he scores that. And I don't, like you say, Joe, I think since Hereford, since his Hereford days, he wouldn't have gone this long without scoring. Or since when he first broke into the whole side, he would never have gone this long without scoring. And I think for my brief days of being a half-decent, just nudge in for one-yard striker, if you go a few games without scoring a goal, you, it starts coming on top of you. And I think you start realising and feeling that pressure. And I definitely, definitely think, you always hear his interviews, he's so keen to score, so keen to constantly tell everyone that he doesn't think he's ready for the or, or he wants to prove that he's good enough for the level yet. He's proved that. He just needs to relax, start taking chances because he gets in more positions than anyone I've seen play for us for a long time. And if he just starts getting his head down and finding the back of the net and just being calm, and ice cold like it was at Hull. I think we've got a, a really 10, 15 goal a season winger, which is gold dust in this league. Mm. He just needs that bit of confidence to know he's good enough at this level and start putting them away because we'd be a serious team if he starts chipping in with goals as well. That seems like a huge leap at the moment, to be honest, like 10, 15. I, I, I think he is in danger of falling into that category of the sort of... If he does the same again for another season mm. he just falls into that category of the sort of player who you might sell to a Brighton or a Watford or a West Brom or someone like that because you know positional like you've said there Tom positional sense and awareness don't get you goals unfortunately in the Premier League is a different different level to what he was uh, where he flourished before one a lot of grief was given to David Moyes James, after the game, people shouting him about substitutions. I was of a completely different outset, to be honest. I thought we were playing really well. Michael Antonio hits the bar. We had all the ball. We were keeping the pressure on Arsenal for huge parts of that second half. Mikel Arteta, Mikel Arteta was absolutely grinning his head off at the end of the game. Uh, he knew he got away with a lucky one then. I certainly thought that he did. Certainly the win, you know, he was, he was lucky not to... Not to get away with a defeat if, if West Ham had, you know, had a couple of bounces or a bit of luck. Uh, but David Moyes getting a lot of grief. Were you, um, did you sort of agree with any of that? Yeah, I mean, it's not the first time that the, the finger's been pointed at David Moyes for you know, his, his, his inability to make substitutions at the right times. You know, he waited and waited and waited to make substitution. Um, even when we were, you know, we, we, were, we were playing well. We were, we were handing... Arsenal and, and their attacking threat, and we were we were relatively comfortable. And in, in my eyes, that, that's when you make a change, make a change when you're either on top or, or relatively comfortable, not when you're when you're struggling and and, and you're, you're defending a, a well, or you, you've just fallen behind. And he brought on our two record signings after we'd gone two one down, and it was like, come on, mate, like what are you doing? And then Yarmolenko was was at fault for sort of letting that ball slip slip through. Um, for the winner, so he should have made those substitutions early. And it felt like bringing Yarmolenko on for Bowen, he was making the substitution for the sake of making the substitution. 
Uh, and I, in my book, it, it did cost us in the end. And um, hang on, no, but you've just said you've just said that he Yarmolenko and you know how good he is, and that these players deserve a chance. You might not have said it on the podcast, so forgive me if uh, people <laughs> yeah, are listening. But didn't you know, that. yeah, sorry, yeah. no, but but you said you know that Yarmolenko deserves a chance, and he Moyes should give him a chance. So I, you saw it in the Chelsea game in the last season. He come on and had that impact. Isn't that what Moyes surely is doing? That thinking he could be the one to to get the winner at the end of all this pressure. Potentially, but when you know Jared Bowen's had a good game, he's arguably our best, the most uh, most you know attacking player on that on that pitch. You know, he's had probably the best performance out of anyone on that pitch, um, and he's brought off the Malenko so late as well, so late in the game. It just felt like he just made that change just because he knew. New new fans are getting to get on his back for not making the change, and he did, and then it cost us. Um, it's not the first time we've been annoyed about it. Absolutely not. Well, fans did get on his back, um, as they will. They did do that after the game. Bit disappointing, all in all. But stay with us because we'll have some more positive reaction for the whole game next. A mixed reaction from the lads on the Arsenal defeat at the weekend. We have won, of course, 5-1 at home to Hull City tonight in emphatic fashion to steer us through to the next round of the League Cup against Everton or Fleetwood away. Um, but I just before we move on to Hull and a bit more positive news around that, Jonesy, I just want to I want to go into this Yarmolenko stuff a little bit more because. I think Moyes is in a position where he's damned if he doesn't, damned if he doesn't. Because if, you know, we we were playing really well. You're saying about Bowen making good inroads and getting into good positions and that sort of thing. Yarmolenko's scored twice tonight. The the idea that putting Yarmolenko on, who's a quality player, who lots of fans, uh, it may, may not have been you and apparently it wasn't, but I thought I'd heard you say that. But lots of fans called him to be in the squad. Tom, you said it uh, off air before about uh, you know this player's doing really well tonight in the in the cup game. Yarmolenko scored twice, Haller scoring as well. Even Philippe Anderson, you said to me that um, you know you think they're they're playing, or you uh, one of your friends said they're playing the best football they've played between themselves. Mm. With the idea that Yarmolenko coming on to replace Jared Bowen somehow weakens the team, I just struggle with that. And I thought normally I'm with you. Uh, Jonesy and I think it's a results business and I often don't care about how we play if we, we get a win but I thought at Arsenal to turn on a performance like that it sort of annoyed me and you know I did get a Lewis John who, who I know listens to the podcast a lot replied to a tweet I put out saying there's no need for too much negativity among West Ham fans and I didn't reply because Twitter that night was just annoying me a bit and I really thought there were good things to take out of it Yarmolenko scores tonight. What what would you have? What would you have uh, Moyes doing for the next game? Uh, because I feel like he's damned if he doesn't, damned if he doesn't. I know he's probably likely to miss two weeks now, but I'm sure he'll still be involved. No, I mean, sorry, no. What? It wasn't a dig at Yarmolenko, like directly at Yarmolenko. And I do think he deserves more game time. He proved tonight that he can do it. Um, my issue with with that substitution and and. A lot of the substitutions against against uh, Arsenal was that, you know, if, if you're going to make a substitution at that stage in the game and bring off a player that's you know already had a really positive impact and probably most likely looking to at least create something or score, 
um, then you know do do something that's going to impact the team. And it was more of a like for it was it was a like for like style substitution. And then Yarmolenko is not the quickest, um, nowhere near as quick as Jared Bowen. And it, I just felt like. Why has he made that substitution? Why hasn't he tried to maybe tweak it slightly, like tactically, and, and, and go for it? You know, and if we'd have done that, then it'd have been like, okay, we've lost. But him making that substitution led to Yarmolenko being out of position and then allowing that ball to be fed through and then for, for, for Nketiah to slot in. And that's not so much Yarmolenko's fault. I mean, his positioning should have been better for it, but you know, it could have been anyone that he brought on. I just think that it was a substitution that didn't particularly need to be made, um, but that's no, you know, that's no dig at Yarmolenko directly, um, because as you said, he's proved tonight. He's got a couple of goals, a couple of assists. Um, okay, yeah, okay, he's League One opposition, but you know, it doesn't really matter. You know, he's still still got to produce. So, um, but yeah, I mean, that that's how I felt about it at the time. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Well, look, I think. Uh... Tom, is it is that a, is that a view you share? Because I, I think you're you're very vocal about um, mm. you know, and I understand it. A lot of fans are saying that Moyes have been quite rigid with his team selection. A lot of people were annoyed mm. to see a very similar team to the one that played at, at Newcastle playing against Arsenal. He'll be forced into a few changes next week, as we've mentioned. Uh, it's a D up Josh Cullen, who I think was unlucky not to get near the match day squad for Arsenal after he did well. In the previous cup game, uh, of course, you sort of just get like your final thoughts and your view on that the Arsenal thing overall because I yeah. it just I don't know why it riled me up and yeah. normally one for positivity for the sake of it, but I thought I'd, yeah. I was pretty pleased with the weekend. No, I, I'm with you in the sense I thought the overall that the the total negativity when everyone was bigging up for 85 minutes, very proud of the performance, and then they all turn turn it in when uh, that is exactly it. That yeah, is it. Nail on the head. Yeah, Nail and, on the head. and mate, that that did my head in because regardless, you played 85 minutes of very good football against a side who, for me, will be challenging top four. They didn't look like it at the weekend, but they had a bad game. But they'll be right, right up there. He's a top manager with top players, and they'll be right up there. So we did very well. But I think. The only thing I have, I mean, it's easy and he had no reason to sub a lot of those players. Don't get me wrong. It's not like I was staring at that team and saying, oh, he deserves to be hooked or he deserves to be hooked. But you just want your manager to be proactive. And when we had them by the scruff of the neck and we were dominating them. Susek would have won anything in that box all day long for the next 10 days. If you just stuck it in there, he would have won it and we would have created chance, chance after chance after chance after chance. And we could have made something creative where we get someone in the pockets just before that. They were all dropping so deep into the box. You get someone who is a bit clever on the ball, a Lanzina and Anderson, who wants to come out, take up that space just before the box, get on the ball, and they got acres of space to do something. The game could have changed. We could have had more possession. We would have lost the ball a bit less, and we'd been on the, less able to hit on the counter. Did make an obvious sub, which I think most people in football would have been able to see from a mile off, that you put a ball player on in that West Ham team, you'd probably take their game because they had nothing left. They were knackered. They're out on their feet and the defenders can live with Suchek and Antonio. I think that was my shame. But I think Jan Lenko in general, I think he's got nine goals in 35 games for us. Probably about 15 to 20 of them are off the bench. Only two are in the league. Good, isn't it? Yeah, seven are in the league. Two are in the league cup, which are both scored tonight. He's got about four or five assists. He barely gets any minutes. Even in the games he starts, I reckon he's finished about one or two 90 minutes. And I think he's, his goal per, sorry, his minute per goal, his minute per chance created, they're all the best in the squad from out of every player at the team. And yet he, he's the one who always seems to get left out or he seems to not really 
anyone care about. And I'm not going after Bowen. I think he's brilliant. I really do think he gives and offers a lot. But I think you've got to look at him. One was bought in to replace 150 million Usmane Dembele at Dortmund. You've got an ACL. He scored in Champions League at Tottenham. He, he's at 99 goals with Dynamo Kiev in the in their league. He's won player of the year out there. He's he's obviously top top tier player, top bracket player, Ukraine's second all-time goal scorer, whilst playing winger. He's without being stupid, he's obviously a better footballer than Jared Bowen. Just he's not <laughs> yeah. like he's obviously better than Jared Bowen, but he's missing out on him because Bowen's come in, he works hard, scored a lot of goals at Hull. He's probably thinking, I scored goals in the Champions League, I've scored him for Bruce Dortmund, I scored him for Ukraine. How am I not getting in this side when I prove week in, week out that I create more chances, score more goals for this team than Bowen? I think we just Moyes taking a punt on someone he doesn't trust. It's not his player. Fine, he didn't bring him in, but he will give you more. He's a left footer from the right, exact same as Bowen is, and will be more clinical than Bowen is. Um, and I just think it's, it's, we need to change things. We need to go for things. And we've got players in the back burner on our bench who have more talent than a lot of players starting for us at the minute. And that's the shame. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. I do understand. I think just to sort of sum it up, I think you hit the nail on the head for me then. You had 85 minutes or certainly in the second half mm. of everyone going, ah, oh, how good is this? And we've got stung completely against a run of play away at Arsenal by a goal out of nowhere. And I just think then, exact, the, the change in tone within nothing. That, that one goal didn't undo all of the outstanding work we'd done mm-hmm. for the rest of that half. And it annoyed me, but I, uh, I sensibly and wisely put my phone down um, <laughs> and certainly closed the Twitter app for the evening after that. But look, lads, some more positive stuff. We've thrashed Hull tonight. And as always happens with the cup games against lower league opposition, Premier League sides are damned if they do, damned if they don't. That's rapidly becoming my new favourite phrase. I'm not quite sure why, but that is the situation, isn't it? You beat whole 5-1 at home, everyone shrugs and goes, well, yeah, you should beat whole 5-1 at home. And West Ham have got a habit, <clears throat> developed an unpleasant habit in the last few years of turning up at lower league oppositions and in some cases getting thrashed four or five. So, got to take the positives where it's due, right, James? Oh, definitely, yeah. I mean, we're so used to losing in these games. But um, it's, it's, it's surprising and, and, and pleasantly surprising to see us winning these games and, and winning them comfortably. Obviously, we, we beat Charlton in the last round very comfortably. Um, and, and tonight as well, against Hull, 5-1. Didn't really see a 5-1 scoreline coming. Even at half time, I thought, you know, it's, was it 2 0 at half time? I thought, yeah, it'll probably end up 2 3 0 and then, you know, we'd be done with it. But yeah, really positive showing. And some of those some of those players that we all think should be in the starting starting 11 um, or at least getting more minutes um, have all produced. A little bit surprised that Anderson wasn't involved in any of the goals, to be fair. But yeah, no, it's good, good, good performance. And uh, I saw a big grin, on your, big grin on your face when I said that, Will, because you do agree, didn't you, mate? <laughs> Yeah, I was just wondering whether you were surprised or upset that Anderson wasn't involved in any of those goals. Bit of both. Yeah, bit of both, bit of both. Well, Tom, Sebastian Haller gets mm. two, Andre Yarmolenko gets two, Robert Snodgrass gets one against his old club, did not celebrate. Unfortunately, uh, such is the situation. Over here in the Algarve, I wasn't fortunate enough to get the game beamed in. Weirdly enough, None of the local bars had West Ham against Hull City 
in the English Football League Cup on uh, their screens, which was odd. I'm sure they would have pulled in loads more punters if they did. So I wasn't able to catch a game in full, seeing the highlights. Obviously, you caught most of it, Tom. Impressive stuff all around, particularly by some of the youngsters that were budded. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I was uh, obviously the team changed late with the COVID, the COVID news coming out very late, close to kickoff. So, I mean, Ashby stepped in, Harrison Ashby, I believe it is, and uh, Aless came in. At, well, he was already starting at centre half, but I watched about the best part of 50, 60 minutes. And in particular, those who caught my eye, obviously, Yarmolenko, Anderson, Haller, they look very tricky and impressive, but you spend 100 million on them for a reason. You know what they got. You know, they're decent players and should try to thrive at that level. But Paris and Ashby are really technical on the ball, made really good decisions, when to turn out, when to go forward, when to um, vacate the space and be the fullback to bomb on. And now he was really impressive, looked like a serious athlete. And he had a, less, a left foot in centre half, which is gold dust. Obviously, we've got Ogbonna, which is probably the only club in the league who has a half decent left foot in centre half other than City with Ake. There's not many of them about. And yeah, he, but he, he looked like a seriously good player as well, comfortable on the ball, good in the air. And it was it was just. A joy to see two young players who, not like Rice, all these people, or Roxford, you heard, you heard lots about. Obviously, we've heard bits and bobs about Aless and Ashby, but they sort of come out of the woodwork this preseason and, and they're like really good players. And that's, that's what we want. And that's why we were attached to Dean Garner. That's why we we're attached to Declan Rice in a different ways because they're our own. They come through the academy and work hard for their spots. And I'd love to see him go on. Right now, I think they'll be tough. Club. It's a tough club to come into for the youngsters, but they definitely showed promise. Definitely showed that they've got enough. And I, I would be incredibly surprised if they don't both go on to have seriously good careers in uh, in professional football, whether it's at us or someone else in the top two tiers. Tom, I can't be certain, but I'm pretty sure that I was uh, that Nathan Holland was in the same place as me. Watching the game uh, on the, the not the whole game, sorry, the yeah. Arsenal game of the weekend, and he's one of those who who showed flourishes, um, as, mm. you know, as as a youngster, and it seems like he's not really going to make it. You mentioned there Harrison Ash, Harrison Ashby, mm. A. G. Elise, and yeah, Ben Johnson, obviously, who fans will know a bit more about. But are mm. you you're you're saying that they they played well then, good enough to warrant? you know, get near the first team this season or just enough to show that, yeah, they'll be all right for the future? Because we, we need <laughs> urgently some people who are going to be able to turn out in the Premier League, don't we? A hundred percent. I think that always the question is with a youngster is it's all about the opportunities that actually get given. I mean, there's hundreds of youngsters out there who probably end up playing for Solihull Motors who could have done a job playing in the Premier League if they are given the chance at the right point. And I think it depends on how our... That sounds, that sounds like you're a bit carp about your... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. fledgling <laughs> Premier League I've got, career, I've so. got my own uh, tissues here, mate. But no, <laughs> yeah, but honestly, yeah. I, I, do, I do truthfully believe if you're given the opportunity... And Jeremy Ngaki, a second choice right back for Channel 23s now, starting right back for Watford in the Championship, played in Premier League for us. And he was a nobody, probably players in his academy side, didn't know his name because he was lost. And now he's, now he's got a serious career. So I think you've got a... You got obviously. I don't want to hope on injuries and things like that, but I hope they they get a chance because they really work. They were impressed me particularly less. Like I'd heard nothing about him, and he looked so comfortable in the ball. He'd be really good crossfield passing him, like really technical, decent centre half. And I and I'd like to see more of him. Obviously, if I saw his name if against Wolves on Sunday, I'd be a bit like Christ. Here we go. But but I I think they. They're clearly good enough to make it at some degree of football, but you only really know until you're tested at the top flight. And I think that 
I think if they came to it, I think I'd be surprised if they didn't match the task the way Ngakia did and at least get by in that level. And for those watching on YouTube, the you'll be able to see the tears trickling down Tom's cheek as memories of his own failed Premier League career came back to haunt him. Well, it's this promising stuff, and like we say, you've got to beat the team who's in front of you. There was a, a serious injury to Ashby, I believe, Tom. Have you got any more on that? Yeah, so he was clattered by, I don't actually know the name of the whole player or who it was, but he got clattered in a sort of aerial duel and it's something to do with his hand or shoulder. It's not really come out, no reports, but he was there, I believe he was having gas and stretched it off and it looked like quite a nasty one. And then another youngster came on, Longello came on and replaced him. I believe he might have been at fault for the goal or, at, or made a mistake afterwards, but um, he replaced Ashby and it looked like a nasty one and he's been taken off. So fingers crossed he is all right because he did show a lot of promise and it's a shame when you just start getting around the first team squad to to be dealt with an injury like that. Like Much like we saw Ben Johnson last year when he was just in amongst it and got his uh, career sort of put back about six, eight months because of an injury. So fingers crossed he's all right. But at least it's a hand and not a head, a concussion or anything to do with that and his health will be all right long term. But just fingers crossed yeah. his hand recovers absolutely absolutely and jack wilshire jones do we had a ban on wilshire we weren't going to mention him again on the we are west ham podcast and still he pulled on a west ham shirt and played some minutes he has done tonight 90 of them um give him a new deal right yeah chuck, chuck another three years at him why not um <laughs> no it's good to see him play uh, i think i think a lot was expected it had been gone by now um this summer but he's been thrown in thanks to cullen having to having to go home because of covid and um, to, to get the call up at, at right at the last minute and still put in 90 minutes and bold accounts he had he had a pretty good solid 90 minutes as well um, yeah I'm, I'm happy for him hopefully it means that he can he might attract a few a few bids or, or a few a few clubs looking to take him on this, this summer before the window closes is it fair to say though James that uh, you know, if he's if he's not getting in the team for a League Cup game, if he's fit enough to do ninety minutes, if he's not getting in ahead of Josh Cullen, who again has, has looked impressive, but really, from if you're Wilshire, that's sort of that's the icing on the cake. Final nail in the coffin, surely. Definitely, yeah. That that ninety minutes would have been in his head. Right, I need to put a good ninety minutes in here for for any potential clubs looking at me. Um, not, oh, I'm going to try and save my West Ham career. I think I think even he knows that it's probably over. Um, which is a shame because it hasn't worked out the way we all hoped it would be. But um, yeah. yeah, I'm happy that he got his 90 minutes. Yeah, fair enough. I think uh, there was bone, a bone, and suspicious bone growth on his ankle was uh, was his latest problem. But I, I certainly hope for for Jack that um, someone takes a chance on him this summer, and that uh, if nothing else, he can just get some some regular football, which is uh, obviously what he still wants to do, and that he has struggled with. Well. Stay with us because next up, we, as we do every week, we do a transfer section. We always write it in the running order. And as ever, we've got absolutely no new transfers to talk about. So if that's not enough to keep you incited and, no, enticed and excited, then I don't know what will. But stay with us for the transfer segment next. So you are still listening to the We Are West Ham podcast with me, Will Pugh, Tom Edwards and James Jones. We're just discussing Jack Wilshere and his 
potentially impending exit from the London Stadium this summer. 90 minutes under his belt tonight in West Ham's 5-1 thrashing of Hull City to get through to the next round of the League Cup away against Everton or Fleetwood. They play Wednesday, so that'll be tonight when you're listening to this podcast. If you download it straight away or if you listen later in the week, which we know a few of you do, then you'll already know who we are facing. So, lads, the uh, transfer segment that we are West Ham fans across the world, across the country, across London, across Essex, wherever it is that you listen from, always look forward to because, as is so typical with West Ham, every week there's always a new new signing being made, a new bit of business that uh, the dynamic people that run the recruitment department at West Ham have made in order to improve the team on the pitch to ensure that they're keeping their side of the bargain on the world-class team for a world-class stadium. We've got the world-class stadium. Obviously, we all know that. No one's got any questions about it, have they? That's all gone swimmingly. And luckily, the players on the pitch and the transfer business that's done is backing it up as well on the field. So, last week, we mentioned that West Ham had made no signings. The week before, we mentioned that West Ham had made no signings. But this week, we are mentioning that West Ham have made no signings. Rumours as ever, boys, we'll run through them just quickly. The incoming, Gilles Mario, Loris Carius, um, and Daniele Rugani, Saeed Benrahma still being linked. We'll start with Gilles Mario. We'll just do a quick run through of these lads because we don't want to dwell on this depressing segment of the show and the depressing segment of the club for too long. But Gilles Mario, Jonesy. I liked him when, he, when we had him before, that little six months, I thought he it was quite good but um, I just don't know where he fits in now uh, I don't see why we're going for a player like him if it is true that we are after him I just like this is the last sort of player we need like move on Been yeah there. move on move on is what we will do Loris Karius uh, Tom goalkeeper again is it a position that we need to improve I'd say it's probably the last position we yeah. need to improve I understand that Fabianski's getting on a bit why on earth would you go for a player like that He's, uh, I just remember his, his bagel mitts, mate, after his Champions League performance. He'd be a lot of money. What's the point? Genuinely, what is the point? We've got Ireland's international keeper is our second choice. So move on again. No, thank you. Yep. Excellent. Another one. What's the point? Move on. And I'm, I'm not even going to throw to you two on this one. Saeed Benrahma still being linked. He plays in pretty <laughs> much the same position as Grady Dean Garner, who, of course, scored for West Brom at the weekend. He's still being linked, but what is the point? Move on. I will say that on behalf of the lads as well. Daniele Rugani, linked with Arsenal, or has certainly been linked with Arsenal a lot of the time, from Juventus. He's a centre-back, one of the first to contract COVID-19, interestingly enough, in Italy. And he's a player I would genuinely be interested in. Are any of you two able to shine a bit more of a light on, uh, on such a story? Um... Well, apparently we're we're looking at him. That's that's literally the the, the story. We're we're interested in Daniel Regani. Yeah. Um I I just don't I don't see a player like him coming to West Ham right now. I think it would be mad for him to even consider moving to, to West Ham right now. Um So you play, think he might wait he might he's waiting until we're good. He might wait until we're good. I mean it, I just I don't like, he's playing for Juventus. Um and I just like why? What? Why would you come to West Ham? Mm. Like, 
you'd either stay at Juventus or you'd go, you'd stay in Italy and go to a club in Italy. Like, I just don't see why he'd, he'd just come to like, just we ha- we are not an attractive football club for a player like Rugani. Um, definitely not. And I'd be very very surprised. I mean, I'd be interested. Like we could do with a player like him, but nah, I don't see it. I tell you what, one out of ten. I interest- rate that one. One out of ten. Interesting. Uh, you say that there, James. We're not an interesting football club. Then you paused, and then you said, for a player like Rugani, to whom do you think West Ham are an attractive football club? Because they're certainly not to potential football fans. They're probably not to potential players. A potential manager, probably not that attractive, having to work uh, pretty low wages and um, your bosses according to some circles, aren't the most popular. Who would you say, Jonesy, sees West Ham and thinks that, for me, is an attractive football club? Uh, well, judging by the summer we've had, absolutely no one. Um, <laughs> not even agents. <laughs> not even, even the agents are going, no, nah, no, nah, we'll leave them. Um, no, nah, I, I mean, I, I know what you're saying, but like, even James, Tark- James Tarkovsky isn't interested. And, <laughs> yeah. like, and and in any world, in any universe, West Ham is an upgrade from Burnley, regardless of what league you're in. Uh, no disrespect to Burnley, but it, it is. Um, and we can't even attract James Tarkovsky. He doesn't want to come. And we, we're so desperate to sign him. We're, we're willing to triple his wages, which is a really bad move when you're trying to sign someone that doesn't want to play for you. Um, so, yeah, when you can't even sign James Tarkovsky, I mean, you're in real trouble. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't really know what to say, mate. Like, no, I, we can't I think sign I've... anyone. We're struggling to sign someone. And then we go for a Juventus centre-half. Why not? Mm. Uh, scaffolding companies. Scaffolding companies, I think, we might be attractive to because they had a lot of work from moving all the seats, didn't they? There was a, a few quid in that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, other than that, just uh, scaffolding companies. Perhaps we'll, we'll sign some new scaffolders over the summer and we big, can do that. Stick for our... big Dave up front. Why not? <laughs> yeah, perhaps we can stick. Um, we can do that for the We Are West Ham transfer segment. Well, that pretty much does it. The outgoings, nothing's changed on that front. We mentioned Jack Wilshire. Then if we can get him, him on the books from off the books. Sorry, from my financial perspective, that will probably be good. The Declan Rice saga will rumble on until it can no longer rumble on, or he's gone to Chelsea. So we'll wait and see on that one. But stick with us because next up we've got our Betway charity bets for the Wolves game. So transfer talk out the way, moanings about the Arsenal game out of the way. Um, But one thing that did happen, another negative from the Arsenal game, is that James, Tom and I once again failed to win any money for our respective charities for our Betway charity bets this week. For those of you who haven't uh, heard about it already, Betway are kindly giving us, uh, me and the boys, £50 each to stake on a charity bet of our choice for every single West Ham Premier League game this season. So that's £50 a week each for me, James and Tom. I'm Any funds raised from those bets at the end of the season all go to the charities that me and the boys are playing for. Tom is playing for Isla's Fight. Everyone 
at home will of course know but Isla Caton, James for the DT38, Dylan Tom Beattie's foundation and I am playing for the Bobby Moore Cancer Fund but as I said, disappointing one last week. We all of us failed uh, the second week in a row. We didn't get any money in for the Newcastle game. We didn't get any money for the Arsenal game. But once again, Jonesy, it was actually pretty close, wasn't it? Well, you two were close. Um, <laughs> well, I didn't want to say. But... <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, we'll, we'll get mine out of the way just so that we can get it out of the way and forget about it. I had uh, over one and a half goals, which was correct. Big green tick. Uh, but I'd asked them to win the first corner and Bamiang to score any time. Um, and I was so convinced I asked them to win the first corner. I thought, we're going to be on the back foot from the off. They're going to be throwing everything at us and we're going to be struggling. And there's going to be a stray shot and it's going to hit Diop on the on the bum or something. And it's going to go off for a corner. And we're going to get it within the first minute. And it's going to be easy. It's going to be a, a, a nailed on banker win. And um, obviously West Ham come out and surprise everyone and, and win the first corner. Um, and then actually play quite well after that. So that was my bet, it was, completely gone. It was such a shambles though, yours, wasn't it? Because uh, I didn't really think when you first sent it through, but then I was obviously watching the game like everyone else was, I'm sure. And when the ball, like, I think it was Antonio or Masawaku had a run down the left-hand side, um, tried to cross the ball in and it went out for a corner. And I was like, come on! Thinking, oh, we've got a corner. And then I realised what had happened. And I was like, I can't believe his bet's done after like, know. three minutes or yeah. so, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, I was like, I've never been so unhappy ever as winning a corner before. I was like, no, no, don't, don't win a corner. Don't win a corner. <laughs> and then won the corner. Absolutely. So, Tom, um, Tom, me and Tom were a little bit closer, Jonesy, I believe. Yeah, well, uh, Tom had Arsenal to win. Um, West Ham fan Tom had Arsenal to win. Um, over, one, over, over one and a half goals which obviously came in once uh, once we levelled up and Aubameyang to score first he got the assist not the mm. goal um, so I would say Tom was probably the closest given that he had the goal scorer but that goal scorer was the assister uh, Will you had Arsenal to win West Ham fan Will had Arsenal to win brilliant support as always <laughs> I think um, I think me and Tom whilst we're West Ham fans we're also fans of winning money for West Ham charities absolutely no, is, no. is not going to come from betting on West Ham to no, win I, is it I get that no no yeah fine fine um, <laughs> over, two, over two and a half goals you had which you must have been absolutely buzzing when Enketia got the winner uh, at the end uh, but William didn't score so your bet was also out so you, both a little bit closer to me um, but I, I've stepped up my game this week um, I've done my research and um, I think we're all going to win this week. Absolutely. Well, I've had a, uh, I've had a little bit of a change of, of tack this week and I've decided, because that's two weeks running, I've gone goal scorers. I did get Callum Wilson in the first game, of course, Newcastle didn't get the other bits of the bet. But this week I've gone, I just want to get some money on the board. That league table graphic that we've put together, James, is really fancy looking, but uh, it looks a bit bare at the moment with zero pounds one from all three of us. So I've gone over 1.5. This for the game um, with Wolves, obviously. Uh, I've gone over 1.5 total goals, more than 5.5 corners in the game and more than 0.5 bookings for both teams. The odds, of course, aren't out yet. But um, as you know, as the fans know, you can go on and back the We Are West Ham Bets on the official Betway website and app. It's under the Betway Bet Your Way, Build Your Own Bet feature uh, and you scroll down in there under popular bets and you'll find the we are west Ham bet so that's mine over 1.5 total goals more than 5.5 corners in the game and more than 0.5 bookings for both teams tom uh, you've punted 
for a, I don't know what what do you think do you think it's more a, a safer option yours this week I think I was stuck sorry with just sorry I I haven't sorry mate I haven't let yeah. anyone I haven't let everyone know there West Ham to win both teams to score and Ryan Fredericks to be booked is Tom's shout for the week mm, I think I, I was with you I the goal scorers were letting me down and it's a bit impulse but I just think Ryan Fredericks is nailed on against their wingers <clears throat> a comma trial will play on the other side obviously but I'm guaranteed he finds himself on Fredericks side at one point and a haul him down so that was my idea for the booking. Both teams to score. I think that we showed enough last week and suggest that we can at least get one at home. And I just think that we look good. We look good at the weekend. Why can't we go and win the game? And it might be a bit safer. But like you say, I just want to get a bit of money on the doors, not be dead bottom with a giant egg next to my <laughs> name. So, yeah, yeah. So just trying to get a bit of money in this week, really. That is true. That is true. And Jonesy, you've gone both teams to score over 1.5 total goals in the game and over 4.5 corners for West Ham. You stuck with your corners bet, not deterred by last week, but this is a bet that could actually run for 90 minutes rather than just three. Yeah, yeah. I thought I'd, I'd change it slightly, but I do love the corner markets. And if you look over the last couple of games, we have been winning corners. Um, and given the, the performance against Arsenal was was pretty you know it was good um confident um and if you know if we have the same approach against approach against wolves then we should win some corners um no my luck we'll win we'll win four not five and um i'll be oh so close again but yeah no and i think defensively we're still a little bit poor so we will concede so um yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Well next up we've got uh with Dan from the Wolves seventy seven podcast they are friends of the show and uh, we spoke to them a couple of times last season so we're speaking to Dan next to get his thoughts we'll ask him what he thinks on those bets but remember me uh, James and Tom are playing for the three West Ham charities this season and the fans at home listening can also go and back our bets although given our current um, form doesn't seem <laughs> something that's that sensible we've got a good feeling for this week so uh, yeah if you want to if you want to get on those they'll be up on the bet way website later in the week usually around friday but stick with us because we've got sam dan from the wall 77 podcast next you are still listening to the we are west ham podcast with me will pew tom edwards and james jones and we just ran through our charity bets the and the lads have had for the Wolves game Sunday night, Wolves against West Ham, London Stadium, 7 o'clock kickoff. The Hammers ran Arsenal close last weekend and we'll be hoping to do the same against a talented Wolves side this week. And we're delighted to say that we are joined for our Opposition Views segment by Dan Bayliss from the Wolves 77 podcast. We've had Sam on a few times. In the past, for all of you long-term listeners, where they're uh, they're friends of the show, but it doesn't normally bode particularly well for West Ham when we talk to the lads. Dan, we haven't had you on before, so we're hoping you might bring a bit of a, a different uh, vibe than, than yeah, give... in that West Ham might get some points against you after we talk to you. <laughs> ah, yeah, well, um, it's been a bit weird the last couple of times we've played you guys, to be honest, isn't it? Um, seem to have met you at the right time. You guys seem to go in fits and starts and... Um, always got you on the down on the downer so if if by meeting us at the right time you mean you've played us in the last four years then <laughs> <laughs> you've uh, you've got it on the nose Dan it's uh, it's been a uh, it's been a strange start to the season for Wolves an excellent result and performance against Sheffield United uh, crashing out of the cup 
to Stoke. Not sure how worried you were about that, and then uh, you know losing to City yesterday, which is no you know no disgrace. There are lots of teams who do that this season. How have you felt about um, the start to the season after the impressive, excellent campaign that you had last year? Yeah, it's been a bit of a weird one. We started really well against Sheffield, considering we'd have no real pre-season. We jumped straight into it. Decent performance. I think we scored two in the first eight minutes or so. So can't really complain about that. We held it pretty tight, kept the clean sheet. No, nothing to uh, really moan about for us guys. Um, Stoke was a bit of a weird one. Um, mix of youth and experience from us. A bit disappointing that towards the end, we did put on some of the big guns and couldn't get anything out of the game. Maybe it's one of those and you don't want to look too deep into it as a fan. All of us wanted a really good cup run. We thought it was one that we could probably contest and go a long way in. And then crash out to Stoke. I had uh, 10 quid straight on the pan that I'd had on uh, Sky Bet. So that was a waste of time. <laughs> uh, winning, I think I had 25 to 1 Wolves to win the Carabao Cup. Went out to Stoke. <laughs> um, Man City game though. Massive game of two halves. Man City in the first half were just untouchable. I've never seen a team come up against us like that. They pressed everything, won everything. I don't think we kept the ball for more than about 10, 15 seconds for the entire first half. Just unreal. Um, first goal was a bit of a joke. Really bad tackle by Sace, our centre-back, who was solid against Sheffield United, weirdly. Fantasy so, football legend. Yeah, but really bad decision by him for the penalty. Never needed to really make the tackle under Bruyne. Um, it was obvious, you know, any top player gets in that position and feels a touch, they're going to go down. It's Stonewall pen. No complaints about it. Just a really daft decision by the guy. They get a really good second and you're two down against City. You're really up against it, aren't you? Trouble, come, yeah. out, come out second half. Showed really well of ourselves. Had five or six chances and they managed to get one of them. So, at the end of the day, you take three, one whilst they scored right in the 95th minute or something. Yeah. Um, but I don't think the game really reflected... On what, it, on what it probably was in the first half, you could have thought, damn, this is going to be 4 5 nil City as they've done to other teams. But when you watch it on the whole, we might have snuck something, probably didn't deserve to win it. But it um, doesn't worry me because of how we played in that second half. And you meant, obviously, we've been, we've been saying how impressed we are of Wolves so far this season, barring that, that Stoke result. Uh, but you mentioned a minute ago there that you, you've not really had much of a pre-season, obviously, with the, you know, with COVID and then the, the commitments in Europe and stuff like that. Is, is there a... Is there a feeling or, or worry that there might be a, an element of burnout at some point this season from that wall squad? I know you've, been, you've brought a few new faces in, but is there a worry that uh, burnout might set in sooner rather than later? I think we said this about February when we've been playing since June or July in the Europa. So it never really happened. It's one of those things where all the pundits keep saying, God, Wolves have got to drop off eventually. They've got to drop off eventually. Injuries are going to hit them. They're playing too many games and it never came. So maybe as a Wolves fan, I've been lulled into it thinking the lads are super fit. We don't have many injuries. There won't be a burnout. That said, Marcel, new signing, went mm. off six minutes into the game yesterday. Um, I think they got three weeks off in the end. So it might happen eventually, but I think it's going to be the same situation for most teams in the Prem. So mm. it's not something that really worries me too much. Mm. Dan, you, obviously you just lost Yotto, you've lost Doherty, you replaced him in Marcel, and obviously looks like Semedo. But Wolves fans, Wolves fans I know or whatever, they're, they're, you've got quite a confident bunch. You expect quite a lot quite quickly, and you're in your third third term as a Premier League club. Is this your year where you're looking to consolidate in the Premier League even more and maybe push the top eight, or are you looking 
for even more than that because all the Wolves fans I know keep banging on about Champions League and Europa League and it seems a step too far, particularly when you're losing all your big players. What, where, where are you with that? Where do you think you want to come this year and what would be classed as a success for Wolves this season? Yeah, I mean, I really don't see it as expectation. I just see it as that, um, it's that non-expectation almost. It's the fact that we've gone from being in League One to where we are now in a relatively short space of time. So mm. fans are allowed to dream. That's the point of being a football fan, in my opinion. And, and that's all the fans are doing. I don't think they're arrogant or over-egging what we can do. It's just a fact to see that explosive growth. It's just great to see. It's what I think any fan in any team would love to do. Um, and Wolves fans are sort of riding that gravy train at the moment. You know, we're on a crest of a wave. And I think it's our time to sort of just enjoy the football. And that's what creates that expectation. Yeah. Fair enough. Sixth, seventh is a great result for us. And we've done it two years in a row. Seventh place. You'd hope for it again without the European commitments. So I don't think pushing Champions League is, is really doable. But let's see how the likes of um, Tottenham, Arsenal, those boys to start the season. Both of them look pretty strong so far. So I don't know. If you said now you're going to finish seventh and you get that silly new, whatever they've called the European competition spot, take it. Dan, that's so refreshing to hear from my point of view because I think West Ham fans were looking at clubs like Wolves in particular, but even Sheffield United with what they were doing last season. There's so many clubs far further up the league than us. Wolves, in, I say Wolves are the special case who you're in the, you've been in the, the lower leagues battling it out and the fans of the club, you know, going to Molyneux is always a great away trip. I think all three of us here have done it and the atmosphere is always brilliant. Um, you know, you, you felt like when you went to Wolves as a fan, it was like a proper football club made up of similar sort of people who supported West Ham and a similar sort of feeling to the club. So to watch, for, certainly for me personally, to watch what Wolves have done fills me with quite a lot of joy because I always like it to the so-called little, you know, smaller clubs, if you like, putting it to the big boys. Um, and yeah, so to hear you say, oh, you know, I'm not going to get caught up and almost draw a negative out of such a positive situation by saying, yeah, we need to be pushing Champions League. To hear you just say, we're just enjoying the football is, uh, I think, exactly what so many West Ham fans would be like. Looking ahead to the game on Sunday night, um, Again, if you are a regular listener to this podcast, you'll know that um, we struggle to find too much optimism about games, approaching games for us. Wolves, a very tough game. You gave us a couple of footballing lessons last season. What, uh, is there anything going into the game that you think we will be able to exploit, given your, you know, the, the current situation at Wolves? Yeah, we've obviously lost both our wing-backs. Uh, Johnny did his ACL. I thought he was pretty solid last year all the way through. And Matt Doherty's gone over to Tottenham. So we're playing currently with um, Marcel, the new guy that came in and took a knock against City early on. Replaced by Ruben Vinagre, who I think is 19, 20 years old. Quite naive, backwards. Looks positive going forwards, mind. And Traore's filling in at um, right wing-back. So defensively, again, he's, he's not great. There's no qualms about that. That's that's what he is. We know what we're getting with Traore. So I think if, if West Ham try and play quick football down the wings, you can cause us trouble. The problem is if you push us too hard and push too hard up the pitch, the pace there to attack you on the break is just unreal, unfortunately. Um, I think that's how we should try and open teams up as Wolves. So you get caught in that catch-22. We did it to City twice last year. Um, before West Ham, there are definitely defensive frailties with Wolves that can be exploited. There's no doubt to that. 
we've already seen it this year. We've already shipped three goals against City and one against Stoke. Um, so it's definitely there. Dan, just, just in case David Moyes is listening, um, is, is there a way to stop um, Jimenez? Just because he's, he's just on fire at the moment. Um, was it he scored, scored again on, on Monday night? Um, and I'd be really keen to hear if there's, if there's a way of stopping him because I'm worried of him coming up against our defence, particularly, yeah, if, I'd Diop, prob- if, I'd particularly if Diop don't play because of COVID. Yeah, what I'd do is I'd put a sniper in the orbital and just wait for him to walk <laughs> off the bus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think that's uh, about the only way. Cause, and uh, we don't exactly have any uh, any defenders who could stop him on the football pitch. Especially it's the tonight confirmed as having COVID nineteen. So uh, yeah, a bit, a bit of a threadbare central defensive partnership lining up for West Ham against Wolves on Sunday. Dan, it's been great having you on, as we always do. With everyone, just give us a score prediction for the game on Sunday night at the London Stadium. Oh, lads, you're not going to like it. And um, cheers for having me on. But it's going to be 2-0 Wolves. 2-0 to Wolves. That sounds... Uh, you know, I don't think any of us would be too surprised if, if that come out. But you know what? We want open and honest views from the opposition views that we have on this podcast. Then one thing that I will mention uh, to you before we go, we do, me and the lads do Betway Charity Bets each week, trying to raise money for three West Ham related charities. And this week we've gone, uh, I'm trying to think of the word, we've gone careful with it. So we, um, rather than outright bet, against West Ham, uh, we've, we've gone a little bit more cautious. James, can you uh, just remind Dan what your one was again? Yeah, I had uh, West Ham over four and a half corners, um, uh, both teams to score. Uh, what was my third one? I can't remember what my third one was. Uh, over, over four and a half corners for West Ham, both teams to score and over 1.5 total goals in the game. Yeah, that sounds about right, doesn't it? That, and James was, James was miles off last week. Me and Tom have, have been uh, have been a little bit unlucky so far. Just one or two shouts going off. But can you see Jonesy getting any luck with that bet this week? I don't think that's too far off, to be honest. It's, I think the issue is you guys scoring one, unfortunately. But as I said, we're a little bit weak at the back. So you might get one. Dan, you sound like a sensible bloke. That was Dan Bayliss from the Wolves 77 podcast. Thanks so much for joining us, Dan, but stay with us because next up is Name That Game. So, uh, Jonesy, what's your uh, prediction for the Wolves game? Well, sticking true to my my Betway bet for DT38, I'm going to go for both teams to score. I'm going to say two on West Ham. Two on West Ham. Tom? You've yeah, got West Ham so, to win in your bet, so I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I fancy us this weekend. I, I would have said 2-1 before Jonesy as well, and I'll probably stick with that as well. I don't want to follow him following down that route. But I think I, I do think that we... I think we'll have enough this weekend. I think 2-1. OK, well, uh, I was pretty buoyed by the second-half performance at Arsenal. I still think a win might be a bit of a push too far, but I am going to say that it will be one all at the London Stadium. However... Enough of that actual football talk. Let's get on to some real competition because it is named that game, the quiz that came in to replace the Rogue Mystery Players quiz. The current league tables are not looking very good for me. I'm on one point. Jonesy out in front on six and Tom Edwards, who is the quiz master 
this week on two points. Each week, the Quizmaster picks a West Ham match from history and collates seven pieces of information about that game. And for each of those pieces of information that the two players guess, which is me and Jonesy this week, we get a point. Uh, league table has been kept throughout the season and beers are, of course, in order. The information uh, is an obscure piece of information about the game. The scoreline only, one opposition goal scorer, one West Ham goal scorer in the stadium, the opponent, West Ham's opponent, and the season in which it was played. There is, of course, a tie-break um, if it's a draw after me and James have had our guesses. Whoever guesses first... Uh, then it goes, then throws to the other person to guess the second piece of information and so on and so on. Tom, you're up this week, so over to you. So this week I've picked a game which might sound obvious, but I don't actually think it is. And I think it's one which the history books and uh, the trivia questions in the future might might take a bit of time to get. And it is the, the obscure piece of information is the West Ham's first game at the Olympic Stadium. Okay, right. I'm gonna go for scoreline. Yeah, three-one. Incorrect. Oh. I've got it. I've got it. So it's it's three-nil. Yeah. Right now it's my go. Now it's my go. Uh, Dybala. No, this is the first oh. official game. I should have said first official club game in where it counts as a competitive fixture. So, so. But it, yeah. Um, ah, hang on a minute. No, 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 no. So, um, the West Ham goal score, I'm gonna say Czech Coate. Correct. Uh, hang on, no, that was you were supposed to guess an opposition goal scorer then. Well, there is no opposition goal scorer because, yeah, it was 3 0. He did say that. He did say 3 ah, 0. This is ridiculous. Um, well, London Stadium. Yeah. Uh, Dom Zale. Oh, he's done it. Yeah, Dom Zale. Yeah. Uh, and the oh right sorry uh, 2016 2017 correct oh well what a nightmare so th- that game out. actually oh. happened before the Juventus game anyway so yeah it did and then we had, we had that and it was a big European night and Oxford I remember Oxford having a steamer in that he had a beauty and I thought he was going to be the next oh, so, so the next I... Declan Rice yeah exactly <laughs> So I can't even moan about it then. You can't even moan about it. I was actually wrong in my information in the first place. Yeah. Uh, Well, James, uh, Tom, I don't know if you were keeping hold of the scores then. But I think you've, James, that was a uh, clean sweep for Jersey. And it was a 3-2. It was a 3 A 3-2 victory. So, James, that puts you on nine points. Overall, me on three for the season, which is just one above Quizmaster Tom, which isn't good. The NK Domzali game, were you both at it? Because I was... Yeah. Yeah, I was there. Um, yeah. I, I went to the away leg as well. Slovenia's a great place. Are uh, uh, NK Domzali the Slovenian ones then? Yeah. 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 Oh, that, was your, that was your little trip out, uh, your European away adventure, Jonesy, was it? It was, yeah. I was, flew back on the, on the team plane, which was incredibly depressing and exciting in the same, in the same way. Um, exciting because obviously I was on a plane with the entire West Ham squad and Slavin Bilic. Um, and depressing because none of them wanted to talk to anyone because they were all like, oh, I just got beat 2-1 away to this lot. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah. Uh, happy, happy. What was the, the? I don't really remember that game at all. I was still out. Yeah. Um, out of the country. Do you remember a bit more about it, Tom? Yeah, I was there. I remember it. That's the reason why I picked it because it's one you'd expect everyone to know. But Dom Zali at home is not exactly the most memorable fixture. So, before I put that one, but I do remember. I remember going. I remember Carte sticking to him from close range. Fagudi as well. We just signed Got him as well. Yeah, and he stuck one in one on one finish at the end, and I thought, here we go, maybe, maybe he's uh, he's going to compliment Pye quite nicely, but that never really <laughs> came into fruition, did it? So, but that's yeah, that was my overriding memory. I was excited for Fagudi. I liked him um, from what I'd seen of him before, and he came on, and he looked pretty lively, and that was my big takeaway, thinking, Jesus Christ, we got we got a chance here at pushing on, and uh, that never that never came to fruition, sadly. Sophia and Fagudi was going to be the man. Yeah, but exactly. uh, yeah, not didn't come to fruition at all. One man who isn't being the man this season is me at the new name of that game quiz. Me on three points, James out in the lead on nine, Tom with two, and next week I believe it switches back to me as quiz master. So not looking good from that side of things for me. But stay with us because we have our final segment of the show next, which is the West Ham women. are still listening to the We Are West Ham podcast with me, Will Pugh, Tom Edwards and James Jones. And in a not so dramatic defeat for me just then, James Jones walked away with the points in Name That Game. Once again, it's been a packed show tonight so far. Arsenal reaction, Hull reaction, Sam, sorry, Dan from the Wolves, 77 podcast, the Betway charity bet, Name That Game. And of course, as always, as we'll be doing for all of this season, we are finishing up with the segment on the West Ham women. It's been a bit of a quiet week. The absolute thrashing to Arsenal, unfortunately, still being left to fester among the squad. There's been no games. Uh, uh, international duty calls for a lot of the players. But there is a bit of news. And uh, a West Ham player has left for Napoli. She only joined last summer. But the thing she's probably most famous for is being having the most difficult surname to spell and say in the whole world. Jacinta Galabadaracci, I think, is the pre- correct pronunciation. Um, and correct, if, forgive me, uh, Jacinta, if you're listening or anyone who knows the correct pronunciation better than me, forgive me if that's wrong. She has departed for Napoli after only a season with the club. And... A few of the other players, Jonesy, have uh, they've got a, a break and a few of them have whipped off on international duty. Leanne Kiernan and Courtney Brosnan have been called up for the Republic of Ireland again. They're playing uh, Germany on Saturday in a Group I Euro 2021 qualifier, uh, which is obviously the main tournament next summer. Alicia Lehman uh, off to Switzerland for their Group H game uh, against Croatia and Belgium. Uh, Kenza Dali, uh, obviously big, huge signing for West Ham is in international action with France. They've got Group G games against Serbia and North Macedonia and Grace Fisk and Rachel Daly have joined up with Phil Neville's England team. No game because uh, obviously they don't have to qualify for the Euros next summer, given that it's in England. Um, but they've gone for a training camp at St George's Park. Josie, do you think it's one of those times where the international break will do the girls good? Obviously, the result at Arsenal to just let that fester like it did 
uh, is it one of those where it's good for some of them to get away um, or will the girls have just wanted a, a game, one more game perhaps before that international break just to get out of their system? You can look at it two, two different ways. Um, you know, the, on one side, you could say, you know, you'd rather just sort of get straight back into it and have another game, put it behind you and put all the all the wrongs right and, and try and bounce back immediately. But on the other side, with five players going out, going out on international duty, um, it's probably, it probably will be quite a good little break for them, potentially, just sort of, you know, um, meet up with their, their countries and, and, and sort of play a game away from the club and refresh refresh themselves and, and come back a little bit stronger with, with, with clear heads and go again. But, um, I mean, if it was me, I would have rather just to get another game under my belt straight away and put it behind me and try and, try and put it right. But, um, you know, these you know, these, they're, they're professionals, um, international footballers. So, you know, they're, they're probably they're probably welcoming just a little bit of a break, just to sort of right the wrongs and, and then go again. Yeah, and Katarina Svitkova, Czech Footballer of the Year. Jonesy, the one you're mascotting for this season, the one you're you're a big fan of. You were buzzing when, uh, when the women's team signed. Uh, she's also uh, playing for the Czech Republic, so apologies. Leaving that one out, Tom. Um, what's what's your take on uh, that? Obviously, uh, it's it's a bit of a strange time. The West Ham, the next game uh, the girls have got up is Reading. Do you do you think that result will still be playing on their mind, or do you think enough time will have passed and other stuffs war under the bridge by the time they they line up to face Reading? I think the the tough thing for the girls is that that they've obviously losing to Arsenal is is accepted and and they probably went into that game expecting to lose and ex- well no no professional athlete goes in expecting to lose but expect to have a tough time of it but losing nine one losing on TV losing with fans Instagram for the first time there's there's definitely a bit of pride which is uh, which they probably would have lost from that fixture and come away and felt quite quite disappointed upset and hurt and a bit embarrassed by that result and it can go two ways you can either bounce back from that and try and prove everyone wrong and come out your shell and try and express yourselves as a team and show what you've got especially against the Reading side who they've got to be looking at competing with this season potentially pipping them to the to the next best sort of position outside of the top three that the big heavyweights and you'd you know they can come out there and put on a bit of a show and be angry and, and use a 9-1 result as a thing to, to get their backs up and come out and, and produce something as a team because they looked, they looked good in that first half against Arsenal. They didn't look a million miles off it. So, fingers crossed they come out that way. But I think a 9-1 result in any professional sport, it, it can do a lot for a dressing room negatively. And fingers crossed that they come out there and they've all gone away and refreshed their minds and they've spent time in international duty and forgotten about the wrongs and everything that happened that weekend because because they were onto something in first half particularly. I think they were a team which every West Ham fan can be a bit excited about because they definitely pushed them and showed a lot of quality, particularly for that goal. It was a brilliantly taken goal and we were more than more than well valued for, for at least drawing at half time and and at the break and fingers crossed they come out, beat Reading side who they obviously beat dramatically in that FA Cup game. Um so hopefully they use those memories and spurs them on to have a, to have another good good stint at prey the the Arsenal game, which is a massive shame, but it's just, it's a game. It's it's just one game. It doesn't define the season. Absolutely, absolutely. Still another couple of weeks to wait before that Reading game for the girls. And uh, it, it was you know Ella German who come on. 
couple of weeks or the week before the uh, Arsenal game, big West Ham fan, uh, sports journalist and women's football expert said to us then, didn't she, she wasn't expecting to win the Arsenal game. So I think it's one of those that really the girls will be able to tell, you'll be able to read more into the girls' progress by the, the result against Reading in a few weeks' time. Well, that's nearly it, lads, but um, stay with us because we'll have a little bit of housekeeping and some final thoughts from the two of you next. So, this is normally the moment where we all wrap up, talk about how we're going to get on against, against Wolves at the weekend, but in all the excitement of um, beating Hull and... Um, some very, very loose transfer rumours, which is the first time we've had some of those for a few weeks. Uh, we forgot to do an outro last night. So here I am at five, just gone five o'clock in the morning after I've got up early to, to edit the pod and then just realised that there's no no outro to, to put the end of it. So it's down to me in this in these early hours of, of Wednesday morning to do, to do the housekeeping that Will just mentioned. So as you already know, we've got Fantasy Football League. We've got about four or 500 people in there at the moment, so please make sure you join that if you're playing FPL this season. The code for that is CMY6OU. We, do, we have also tweeted about it as well, so make sure you check our tweets out. We might retweet that again at some point this week. You know we're on Twitter, uh, we're on Instagram. We're also on YouTube as well. Uh, make sure you follow. I think we've got 30 subscribers now, which is pretty good going after a couple of weeks. So, yeah, make sure you get onto that, subscribe, and whatever platform you're listening to this on on whatever podcast podcast platform you prefer to use, whether Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, you know, we're on all of them. We would really appreciate if you could give us a review, rate us five stars or four stars, whatever you think we're worth, and um, leave a nice review. That really does help us moving forward, and we really do appreciate all your support. I suppose the last thing from from me is that uh, hopefully we can we can build on that Arsenal game, uh, that Arsenal performance, and the whole result in the week and perform actually score a goal against Wolves that'd be nice wouldn't it but um, just get a, another positive performance if we can build, a, on, build on those performances then the results will come I know I said earlier that you know, it doesn't matter whether you perform well you need the results but you know Wolves are going to be a tough tough team to play at the weekend and if we can if we can get all the results uh, if we can get the performance in then um, I'm pretty sure the results and the goals will follow particularly against Wolves we, stick, we struggled to score against Wolves didn't we but um, thanks for listening as always and we'll see you next week how many wines? Sports Social Podcast Network.